please welcome Joe McGee. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, everybody. Thank you for coming out on the Sunday night. If you're in, get your Bibles with you. I'm going to start off in Ephesians tonight, Ephesians chapter 1. Back uh, over some things we covered this morning, if you weren't here. Uh, these are the last days, the last of the last days. Last days began the day Jesus came out of the grave. Uh, mystery was revealed on that day. That was the beginning of the church. And he talked about it in Acts chapter 1 when the disciples who were Jewish, thinking now that he's out of the grave and he's come back, trying to understand what's going on, that this is the time that Israel will be restored to her glory. He said, well, what we're going to do right now is I'm going to get you filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm going to send you out to be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the world. I'm about to build me a family called a church. And that was the mystery hidden before the beginning of the world. It talks about here in Ephesians. Uh, it started as a mystery. It will end as a mystery. And that's what the rapture of the church is. We'll just pop out of here as God goes back to Jewish time for the last seven years on this planet. Begins to deal with the Jewish people. God is not dealing with them now. He's simply bringing them home. As a matter of fact, I want to read you something out of Isaiah 11. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, second edition, so it reads a little bit different. And uh, this is uh, this interesting passage. Isaiah chapter 11. I'm going to jump in at verse 11. It says this. And that day the Lord will reach out a hand a second time. Everybody say second time. A second time to bring back the remnant of his people, those who remain in Assyria and northern Egypt and southern Egypt, Ethiopia, Elam, Babylonia, Hamath, and the distant coastlands. And he will raise a flag among the nations and assemble the exiles of Israel. He will gather the scattered people of Judah from the ends of the earth. He said, before I end everything, I will bring Israel back home and deal with them. I promised Abraham that I would. He knew they would go into rebellion. He knew he would bring them home. He said, I will deal with them one last time. That's why the Daniel 9 prophecy talks about the 490 years. talks about the time that Israel had left, that God would deal with Israel. 483 years came after Jesus came out of the grave, and it ended then. And now what happened is the church age stuck in between year 483 and the last seven, and now we've been dealing what we call the age of grace, the church age, people are being saved. The Holy Spirit's in everybody, not just in Jesus. We've been witnessing to the world. That's our job. We are occupying the world. God loves everybody. He doesn't even want the most wicked to perish. Jesus died for everyone. And I've talked to several times, everybody's name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus died for everybody. Everybody who's ever been conceived, whether they made it out of the womb or not, their name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. You find eight scriptures in the Bible that talk about your name being blotted out, not your name being written down. Sometimes growing up in church, like, well, they just wrote your name in heaven. No, your name is already written in heaven. Everybody's name is there, but there'll come a day you'll have to make a choice and a decision where to keep it there or not. There'll come a day. Everybody has an opportunity. Will I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior? That's why we say people wake up in hell every moment surprised that they're there because they didn't plan to go, but they didn't plan to go to heaven either. It is a choice. I set before you a life, death, blessing, or cursing. You choose. The reason God made man was he wanted somebody who would willingly want to be with him. That's why we worship. That's why God likes to hang out with us. That's why you get married. You get married because you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody. Now, we've joked about it before. You don't ever date somebody for a while and then all of a sudden one night to say, hey, do I make you sick? Because you sure make me sick. Every time we go out, I just want to throw up. My stomach ties up in knots. I just wondered if I make you as miserable as you make me. Because if you do and I do, why don't we just get married? <laughs> that way we won't have to worry about running into misery. We'll just go ahead and get it over with. 
people get married because they want a fellowship. Divorces happen because fellowship ends. Fellowship ends before relationship ends. Do you understand that? And so our job is to fellowship with God. God said, you draw close to me, I will draw close to you. You seek me, you'll find me. You ask, I'll answer. God's kind of relationship oriented. He says he's kind of a, God likes to be chased. He wants somebody to chase him. So God made man because he wanted a creature who would have a choice whether to serve him, love him, and hang out with him or not. So Adam had a choice. He was given only one thing not to do. He could do a million things. Only one thing could he not do, eat of that one tree. Billions of trees he could chop down, climb, eat off of. Only one he could not do. Don't touch this one because if you do, you will die. In dying, you will die. Dying spiritually, you will die physically. I want you to live forever and hang out with me forever and have fun forever. But I will give you a choice. You can go stupid if you want to. It is your choice. And God knew before he ever made him, he said, that he would go stupid. I love you. I want you to hang around, but bless your heart, you're going to go stupid on me. Because I want somebody who has a choice. And what happens is once you make the wrong choice, you can't hang with them because I don't hang where sin is. Sin and me do not dwell in the same place. And so when he turned his back on God and obeyed the devil, he lost it. He lost his relationship with God, his fellowship with God. He lost his job, his house, and his kids started killing each other. Sin kills. And God does not stay where sin is. God is life. And so if somebody had a plan to restore it, it was to send his son. And he told the devil in the garden, what would happen? One day I will come in the flesh. I will bruise your head and you will bruise my heel. But I'm coming as a man to get back what a man lost. The second Adam was Jesus. So this entire book from Genesis to Revelation is the story of Jesus. Jesus that made everything you and I see, everything that exists in the universe, Jesus made. Do you understand that? He created it all. He made it. He knows it. The hairs of our head are numbered. The days of our life are numbered. All the days of our life are written in books on bookshelves in heaven. Nothing takes God by surprise. He said, nothing's ever come upon you. I have not already made a way out of it. I made a way out of a problem before the problem ever showed up. I'm God. I know all things. And God wants to show off in mankind. I'm trying to find somebody to show myself strong in. But I need people who will willingly trust me. And I give you the choice. That's why every day we get a choice. That's why his mercies are brand new every morning. But God said here about Israel, he said, I'm going to bring them home one day. And I like this one verse. It reads several different ways. He said, I will raise a flag among the nations. I will raise a banner to the nations. And one translation says that the second exodus will dwarf the first exodus, bringing Israel back home from Babylon. If you thought that was something, bringing them back from Egypt, if you thought that was something, this last exodus will dwarf those. I will bring them to the four corners of the earth. And that began to happen in 1948. A language that was dead and not spoken was resurrected. That's never happened. And now they're speaking Hebrew in Israel today. 142 different nations are represented in Israel. There's not one kind of Jew. There's not one kind. There's 148 different kinds. They come from everywhere. They have one thing in common. It is their ancestors and what Abraham started. Now, some believe it to the fullest. Some don't believe it at all except, hey, I'm a Jew and nobody likes Jews. Let's go hang out where only Jews can hang out and forget everybody else. But God promised Abraham, I will bring them home and I will deal with them. And it will be a testimony to the world that there is a God in heaven that they will come back. And then Jerusalem will be taken back over because when I come back to earth, I will rule and reign for a thousand years from Jerusalem. I can't rule and reign where I don't have. I need Israel to take back Jerusalem, which they did in 1967. So in our lifetime, in most of my lifetime, I was born in 1951, one-third of the Bible made absolutely no sense. People that taught it taught it 78 different ways because there was no Israel. It makes no sense. They'll never be in Israel. Who would give them land? Where would they get it? But you know what happened in 48? Of course, the day they became a nation, seven other nations attacked them. 
because the devil, this isn't political. This is not about land. This is the devil and God. This is the will of God being carried out, and he opposes the will of God. Jesus said he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I come to give you life and life more abundant. You choose. But I promised Abraham I would bring them home. I will sovereignly bring them home. And then once I bring them home, I'm going to raise up every nasty nation over there, and I'm going to empower them, embolden them, and I'm going to equip them. Then I'm going to bring all of them down on top of Israel so the whole world can see. And I will kill all of them, and a third of the world will be destroyed, and I will wipe out the entire nation. You think, you think the Islamic religion is big. There's going to come a day it's going to disappear. Yeah, that's not politically correct, is it? Yeah, that's kind of scary. It's true. What it is, it's not a religion. It's God and it's the devil. God uses people. The devil uses people. And God said, I'm going to show off to the world. And eventually, would you believe in me? Would you acknowledge me? Eventually, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that I am the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean you're going into heaven. It just means you're going to say the truth eventually. You're going to speak it. Now, here in Ephesians, I want to read this to you. It's hard to understand the end times if you don't understand the beginning. So I want to read these four verses again out of Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 4. It says, even before God made the world, before there was an earth, heavens, all the thing in Genesis 1, 1, down to verse 4, all that before that happened, God was there. He existed. God exists. For all time, He has existed. He never started. I am that I am. It is that it is. God lives in eternity. He created time for one reason, to measure your life and my life. There is no time in heaven. If you've had loved ones go home to heaven, they have no concept what time it is. There are no clocks, no calendars, no walls. In the new heaven and the new earth, by the way, if you ever read about that in the Bible, there will be no water on the new earth, no water at all. There will be no sun and no moon. The glory of God will light everything. So much so there will be no more shadows for all of eternity. There, there's shadows here on the floor. There will be no more shadows for the glory of God will be the light that lights everything. God is a big God. God is a creating God. God loves us and he's given us an opportunity to love him back, to choose him, to be with him. And that's what's going on in the last days. There is an all-out rush to reach the harvest that is plenteous. The devil doesn't want anybody to get saved. He wants everybody to die and go to hell. Jesus wants everybody to get saved. There's an all-out war. We are, the, we are the weapons in that warfare. Our lifestyle, the way we talk, walk, and live, we are a witness. It is, our, it is the light and the salt that we have become that witnesses to the world. God says this, I can't do it unless I do it through my body. I don't know how many times I've shared it. Nobody gets saved unless a human preaches. Nobody gets healed unless a human prays. You know, all the power of God moves through flesh. All demonic power moves through flesh. If evil's happening somewhere on the planet tonight, it's happening through somebody's flesh. If good's happening somewhere, it's happening through somebody's flesh. And we get to choose. That's why it just all of a sudden didn't make any sense when you're, once you're saying, how in the world could I ever been so stupid? How could I have chosen to live so, so wrong and so bad? Well, because the devil blinds the minds of people. That's how the church is to pray. We are the filter system of the world. We take evil reports, convert them into good reports. That's our job. That's what we do. We, instead of getting mad at your relatives and your in-laws, pray for them. Pray for those that misuse you and abuse you, say all manner of evil against you. God says, pray for them. They're blind like you used to be blind. You need to pray for them, not throw rocks, cuss them out, or do something nasty to them. You're the salt. You're the light. It's Christ you the hope of glory. We are the answer for the world, even if they're not asking questions. And here's what it says. Before he made the earth, God loved us. How can he love me? I wouldn't hear you. God knew me before I was ever born. That's why he told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I knew your name before your mother knew your name. I loved you and knew you before you had a mother. God saw everybody coming. Do you understand that? 
God saw saw you, your children, your grandchildren, saw your in-law, saw everybody coming before we ever existed. God looks out in two time. There's no time in heaven. God looks out in two time. God sees us five minutes, five days, and five years from now. He orders our steps, directs our paths, guides us into all truth. God is good. You understand? What are the last days about? God's trying to wrap this thing up. God's looking forward to fellowshipping with us. We can be with him constantly and live with him, flying out of Jerusalem with him, with the Son of God. God's looking forward to us getting to hang out again and not have this fleshly body that's down, that's no good, that's got stupid in it and messes with us all the time. He wants us to have a resurrection body where this will never bind us up again, never give us problems again. The devil goes into the bottomless pit, never kill anybody again, never make anybody sick with cancer or disease again. There will be no more of that. But right now there's a war. We are the goodness of God to the planet. We lay hands on the sick. We take authority of the devil. We plead the blood of Jesus. We bring peace where there's not peace. That's what we do. We're the answer for the world. We don't live in heaven. That's where we're going eventually. Till then, we're working. I say it all the time, but people say, how come if I go to church, say my prayers, pay my tithes, how come I have so much hell in my life? I say, because you're still here. You've not gone to heaven yet. Don't worry about it. Don't even think about it. Just work till you hear your name called. And none of us know when that's going to happen, so don't worry about that. When you think it is, doesn't matter. I don't know. We can talk about it for 12 days. It won't change it. We still won't know. So let's just get busy living our life for God. He says, it's God decided, God decided, watch this, uh, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. The reason he set out what he set out in the Garden of Eden when after Adam and Eve sinned and God came down through there and pronounced all the curses to the serpent, to the man, to the woman, he said, you know, man, you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow the rest of your life. You're going to struggle just to make a living. But you know, that's a curse. You know, the Galatians says, you and I have been redeemed from that curse. But you've got to know that before you can believe it, before you can receive it. Now that I'm saved, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not of this world anymore. I'm from another kingdom. I'm blessed. The world may not be. I am because I'm not part of this anymore. I've been translated into another kingdom. I'm part of another country. I'm under another king, not under the one that's killing, still and destroying. I've been delivered from that kingdom of darkness translate into the kingdom of life. What happens though, if you don't get in the word of God, that's why my people destroyed for lack of knowledge. If you don't know who you are, what it is you have, you won't go after it. You'll just survive. And that is not the will of God. What kind of witness is surviving to somebody? God, I'm trying to show off in some, but I tried to show off in a nation of Israel. They just kept going stupid on me. And I'd forgive them, bring them back, and then they'd go stupid on me. I'd forgive them, bring them. It's kind of like what God's trying to do. He's trying to get somebody just to stand strong. That's why I got upset with Joshua before he went into the promised land the night before. You need to be strong and have a good courage. He told him three times. And Joshua's already afraid. Moses has died. And he's in charge now. Like, man, mm -mm -mm, there's big people over there. Ten foot tall, six fingers, six toes, and bad breath. I got to go whip that bunch tomorrow. And the angel said, you better be strong. God's not going to go whip those uh, uh, giants tomorrow. God's not going to whip them. You're going to go whip them. God will be with you while you go whip them. Do you get that? Joshua, if you'll meditate my word day and night, say what I tell you to say, then you'll be strong and have a good courage and said everything you set your hand to will prosper. But you will have to set your hand to something. It won't just happen. If I'm going to have a great marriage, I've got to do something on purpose on a daily basis. If I'm going to have great kids, I've got to do something on purpose on a daily basis. If I'm going to be financially blessed, I have to do something on purpose on a daily basis because there's a devil trying to steal from me every living moment. There's a world system going the opposite direction for me. You know, the world loves to scare themselves. I say it all the time, but I'm just still amazed how successful Stephen King's been writing books that scare people. 
You ever think about that? What are you going to do? I think I'm going to become a multi-multi-millionaire writing scary books because humans love to be scared because there's not much scary stuff going on. But I'm going to write novels to scare them. They're going to buy them by the millions and just scare themselves. Whoa. Then they're going to make horror movies out of my scary books so they can pay eight bucks and go, oh. That's why Paul had to tell Timothy, you don't have a spirit of fear unless you sit in that stupid movie theater too long. Because as a man thinks, so is he. Just, uh, I'm not stopping my sermon. I just got off on it. God decided in advance to bring us into his own family. We're in a family. Now listen to me. The body of Christ is on this planet, but there are... But there's also the family on this planet. But there's also a family in heaven. When you read through the New Testament, you ought to separate those words. Three great words would be good to study. Family, number one, because we're in the family of God. Now, I've got family, and I love my family. But I deal with them all differently because they all act differently. But they're all in my family. I cannot deny them. I'm not going to lose them because they're in my family. One of the great words to study is the word mystery. That's a powerful word, the word mystery. There are certain things God will hide. The devil couldn't find Jesus until he got water baptized. It wasn't until that day that he knew where he was. He thought... He thought Moses was Jesus. That's why he killed baby boys up down the Nile River. Because God said, I'm coming in the flesh one day. He doesn't know where. The devil does not have revelation. He is a fallen angel. Do you understand that? He's, he doesn't know. He cannot read my mind or your mind. He does not know the future. He's a fallen angel. Only God knows the future. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? That's why he'll lie to you. That's why you've got to know the truth. Because the truth keep you free from the lie. Look at this next verse down here. I like this. Says this, this is what God wanted to do. What? Bring me into his family. But he knew I was going to go stupid. God looked down through time, saw every lie I would ever tell, every nasty thing I'd ever think or do, and he still wanted me in his family. Do you understand that? God loved us before we ever loved him. God sent his son to suffer with no guarantee we'd love him back. But some did, and that's called the church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We now have the power to live that life every day and overcome sin. If we sin, we can repent, and God will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteous to take our sins as far as the east is from the west now you know you say that all the time i don't know if you understand this but when i taught high school years ago i took a globe i said you know if you go north long enough you'll eventually go south yeah if you go to the north pole once you cross it you're going south if you go to the south pole if you cross it, you're going back north if you go east on this planet you will go east forever you will never go west if you go west on this planet you will never go east you will go west forever East and west never meet. North and south do. God said, I'll take your sins not as far as the north is from the south because eventually they meet. I will take your sins as far as the east is from the west. There'll be no record of them in heaven. I myself will not even remember them. That's how powerful the blood of Jesus is. The righteous fall seven times a day and they get back up. Why? They know about the blood of Jesus. That what the second Adam did was better than what the first Adam messed up. And I can repent on a regular basis. I can grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. So the devil has no power over me. There's no more condemnation to those of us in Christ. Why? I can repent. I can forgive. The blood's still active. It is not dried up. Isn't that great? This says down here in verse 9 and 10, God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan. What plan? To have a family called the church. He wanted a family. He wanted a family. He's got one. It's called the church. Revealed us the mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan at the right time. He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and everything on earth. Jesus is going to come back to Jerusalem, the second coming with all of his saints, and he will rule and reign for a thousand years. Babies will be born. Corn will be planted. Things will happen. There will be meetings. People will play sports. It won't be a goofy time. It will be a normal time. 
The devil will be in the bottomless pit. Toward the end of the thousand years, he will be released out of the bottomless pit and he will be handed the keys to the very bottom. And all the one-third of the fallen angels who fell, who are reserved in judgment, the bottomless pit, Satan will have the key to let them out. And it's going to get really nasty. And people, again, will have a choice. Knowing Jesus personally, he comes and visits. He's down there in Jerusalem. Even seeing him physically, even knowing that he's there, knowing that he's the Son of God, him and the saints flying through there, they will still have a choice to actually receive him as their personal Savior or not. And some will not. Everybody has a choice. Everybody has a choice. The one thing I love about the last days is it encourages me that everything God said was true. We'll look like nothing for years as long as it's coming to pass. All these prophecies were true. I don't know how many years went by. You know, ten, Second Peter talks about there'll be scoffers in the last days making fun. Man, we've heard about Jesus coming forever. He's not coming. Well, that's why the men of Israel understood the signs of the times. No, nope, there's some stuff happening. God prophesied thousands of years ago that's happening at a really rapid rate now. It's all coming to pass. Israel's back. Jerusalem's back. The nations that were listed 3,000 years ago up in arms to fight Israel. Hate their guts, want to blow them off the map. It's picking up pace. That's not an accident. Do you understand? People that didn't know each other wrote about that separately. That didn't live in the same century wrote about what's happening today. God said, what I say is true. It will come to pass. I will watch over it. So if God brought Israel home, then if he promised to heal me, he didn't lie. He can't lie. If he promised that I would prosper and my family would prosper, he can't lie. He will make that come to pass. God cannot lie. Let God be true and every man a liar. So what we're seeing in the last days, we see people really growing in God, getting excited, and some people get really depressed. The sheep and the goats are really separated from one another. He says, it's the right time, at the right time, and we're getting close. Everything will be brought together under the authority of Jesus. Now, right now, the earth doesn't include that. He's not back. But one day, he will come back when the Father says, we're through. Take the saints, load up on your white horses, and go down there, and we're going to pay back all the authority of the earth again. All authority will be brought underneath him. What are we looking for? This scripture to come to pass real quick. Now, what you have to understand about God is I want you to look at Genesis chapter 1. I'll show you something. Genesis chapter 1. I used to tell my kids all the time, to I said, Dad, we don't understand. Well, you've got to go back and read the beginning. It's always good. That's why all your cars have... You know, books in them in the glove compartment of the trunk somewhere, and it tells how that car works, what it does, what it doesn't do. Where's the owner's manual? Who put this together? How's it supposed to function? That's why you've got to read the Bible. Genesis chapter 1 reveals the heart of God. God is a good God. Everybody say good. God's a good God. He's real good. All the time good. There'll never be a day he's not good. But God hates sin. Sin's been judged. That's why you don't want sin to get on you. Stay away from sin. It'll kill you. God's not killing anybody. Sin is. I've said it before. I said it in August when I was here. There is no judgment of God being poured out anywhere. It can't. It's the church age. We're still here. This is the age we're trying to save the lost, not kill them. Jesus got the dog snot beat out of him, hair ripped out of his face, thorns shoved into his head, beat his back. You couldn't even tell he was human, hung him on a cross, drove nails in his foot in his hand. Jesus paid a horrible price for sinners. He didn't get the dog beat out of him to turn around and kill him. He could have done that before he went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross for mean-spirited, meanest not sinners. Jesus died for sinners. He's not in heaven trying to kill them. It is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Now, well, you know that happened. God's trying to get their attention. That's why that bad thing happened. You've not read your Bible. You're an ignorant person if you'd ever say that. God is good. All the time, it is his goodness that leads sinners to repentance. 
God's not punishing, killing, making people sick. If their kids die, the people go crazy, lose their sanity. That's not God. That's the devil. So in the last days, we see both camps intensifying. The church getting stronger. The devil more active. He knows his time is short. He's mad about it, the Bible says. He knows it's getting short. Man, he's fighting, fussing, hollering, screaming, killing, stabbing. Nation against nation, famine, pestilence. He's mad. He's trying to kill this creation. The earth's trying to throw them off. There's birth pains. He's, even the earth is looking for Jesus. The trees are looking for Jesus. The rocks are looking for The ozone's looking for Jesus. Even so, come. I'm not going to have time to go into it now, but I'm going to jump in just here for a second. The Antichrist, I said this morning, cannot be revealed as long as we're here. You know, the, the Scripture talked about for years, and I remember going on the church, there would be a great falling away right before the end. There would be a great falling away. Then the Antichrist would come, the tribulation would be. That word, you've got to look it up in the Greek. It's, it's, it means, it means it's not a calling away. It's, being, it's caught away. It's not a falling. It, means, it actually means to snatch. And I'm going to stretch on that. You can study that for yourself. I'm just telling you what I read. Until we're gone, nobody will know who he is. That's why y'all quit worrying about who he is. He thinks it doesn't matter. We're here. We're the church. Gates of hell cannot prevail. We're here. Once the church is gone, the Holy Spirit is going to be here all the time. The Holy Spirit won't be removed from the earth. People will be saved during the tribulation. That can't happen without the Holy Spirit. He's not making the Antichrist not do anything. We are. Therefore, we can't be here during the tribulation because he can't do anything as long as we're here. Let's go back and read this. I'm going to read just a few verses here to show how God is in the beginning. I'm just going to read one, one little sentence out of each verse. Verse 3, God's creating everything. Water, light, animals, peacocks, hippopotamuses. He's making it all. And every time he made something, verse 3, and, the, and God saw the light and it was good. I like that. Second day, verse 10, and God saw what he created, that it was good. Verse 12, and God saw that what he created, it was good. Verse 18, and God saw that it was good. Verse 21, and God saw that it was good. Verse 25, and God saw that it was good. I like that. I like that scripture. And verse 31, and God saw that it was very good when he made man. God's good. He's trying to love people. He's trying to bless people, heal people, prosper people, make people happy. Peaceful, long life, long life, long life will I give him, will I serve him. If you have the wisdom of God, long life is promised. Proverbs 3.16, if you get wisdom, long life, riches, and honor are promised to you. Where do you get that wisdom? God, because God's good. When God gives you something, long life, riches, honor, God's good. We're not fighting the devil. He got the snot whipped out of him when Jesus came out of the grave. We are fighting the fight of faith. What's faith? It's what you believe. I don't believe God's good. I believe God's bad. Who's God at? Well, you don't have any faith. Your faith is weak. And Jesus rebuked the disciples on a regular basis. Oh, ye of little faith, how long must I endure you? So what are we supposed to do in the last days of Jesus getting close? You better make sure your faith is in the book. Because if your faith isn't in the book, you don't have any faith. This is where faith comes from. Because, see, there's all kinds of questions. Why? Well, there's a devil. We got flesh. And there's a world system. But I've got Jesus. He said, I was expected to triumph over all of that. Now, I want to show you just a couple of things here. Just kind of line this up for you. Um, Let's just look at um, Romans chapter 11. I'll just jump in here. Romans chapter 11. Because people always wonder what's going on with the three groups of people. I mentioned this morning there are only three groups, Romans 10, 31. There are Jews, Gentiles, which are unbelievers. Anybody's Gentiles and unbelievers. And there's the church of God. Those are the three groups of people. 
God's working with all three groups here in the last days, and what he's doing with each group is different. It's all different. The Jews, he's bringing home to deal with them during the seven-year tribulation. God is not dealing with Israel right now. That's why you and I are told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem every day. Pray for the why? That's where Jesus will sit. That's what the devil wants. That's the center of the universe. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem that my will would be done there because I'm coming back to sit down and I need you to pray. This is still a planet that the devil has the least to. We are the authority. If I submit to God, resist the devil, the devil must flee as in sheer terror. So whatever I say and I pray, God must answer. First John 5, if I ask anything according to the will of God, I know that he hears me. If I know he hears me, I know he answers me. It is the will of God that Jerusalem have peace on it. I am to pray for that because he can't do it if I don't ask him. It's not automatic. Pray for your leaders. Why? It's not automatic. They're going to make good decisions. You need to pray for them. We don't have leaders because they're smart. We have good leaders because the church is praying. We're the salt. We're the light. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 11. I like this. Talking about the Jews because let's just do this little summation. I know you know this, but just kind of lay this out. God wanted a human to love him. He made Adam from the dust, took out a rib, made a woman. There's a lot of stuff that happened after that. They ate of the tree. Sin came into the family. They get kicked out. Kids start killing each other. All of a sudden, we're going, oh, what are we going to do now? And all of a sudden, man gets really nasty and ugly. So much so that all of a sudden, God said, I'm going to have to kill every one of them, every animal, every bird, every dog, every cat. It's gone stupid on me completely. He sends a flood. But before he does, he gets a man named Noah, knowing his family. Only eight righteous people on the face of the earth out of all the humans that had been born. Sticks them in a boat, sends a flood, kills every living thing breathing. Noah gets out of the boat, builds a fire, worships God. His three sons scatter all over the planet, and all of a sudden nations begin to be born. Except they still come kind of tight, and that's why they finally build them a tower. So we can be something big. Let's build us a tower of Babel. God's looking. They've gone stupid on me again. So he went down and confused the languages. Now they can't hang out. They can't understand each other. God is so funny. So that if I can't understand you, I'm going to hear these do. I do understand. So people made new friends all of a sudden. They scatter out. All of a sudden, God begins to look for one man. I need to send my son to save the earth. He's got to come as a man. But I can't just show up. I must find one man on earth who will give me his son. God is a covenant God. From Genesis 1 to Genesis 11, there are no covenants. That's why hell reigned on this planet. There are no promises to claim. There's no power to rebuke a devil. There's no knowledge of a devil. They're just living in pure misery. But all of a sudden, he said, I've got to find one man, one man. And he began to deal with he, God's dealing with all people. People that aren't saved, God's dealing with people all the time. He was dealing with them before the flood. They wouldn't respond. He was dealing with the people when Abraham, nobody responded except Abraham responded. He finally found one man named Abraham who believed what he said to him. Now, this, there's, no, there's no Bible school. There's no Bible. There's no 3D seminar. There's no PowerPoint. You know, there's no church to go to. He's just listening to God in his own spirit. But he believed what he heard. The Bible says it was counted unto him for righteousness. God said, I come down and God made a covenant with him. He said, I'm going to give you all this land. I'm going, to, I'm going to make you a powerful nation. All the families of the earth will be blessed to you. He's getting all excited. You're going to have a baby, you old man. You can't even have babies. I'm going to get you to have one. Because the miracle of finally Isaac showing up after they messed up with Ishmael. And then after Isaac's here, finally, God's good. It's taking a long time. God sure is slow, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> and we finally got this kid, and he starts to grow up. And God says, I want you to take your son, take him to the top of the mountain. I want you to drive this knife through his heart. And I want you to sacrifice him to him. He's like, what kind of stupid God are you? I'm not following you. You're an idiot. What kind of person would follow God to say that? But listen, I've said it before. That wasn't a doctrine. Only one human on this planet was ever asked to sacrifice their child. Only one. Only one. It was a legal situation. 
God said, I need to give my son to the earth, but I cannot give to the earth unless an earth person will give me what they've got. I've got to have a covenant. I cannot give you what you will not give me. It's called the law of seed time and harvest. That's why he said, I'll give seed to the sower. I'll bless you, but I need you to sow something. But you're broke as dirt, so I'll give you something to sow that I might bless you back. Do you understand how God works? You don't sow love, you don't get any. You don't sow time, you don't get any. You don't sow cash, you don't get any. You don't sow peace, you don't get any. We only get what we sow. This planet works off that law. He said, I've got to find a man that will give me his son. And so Abraham was this. He said, I'll do it. And Abraham, by faith, saying to himself, even if God has to raise him from the dead, this is my promise. If God promised it, he can't lie. This has got to stay. I don't care if I drive the knife through the heart and come out the other side and God has to raise him from the dead. This son's going to live. And you got to go through and read Genesis, the whole account. But he believed it. Went up there, and you know the story. When he raised the knife up, God saw his heart. He said, stop. I saw your heart. In your heart, you did it. In your heart, that knife was coming down. So he said, the angel stopped him. There was a ram in the bush. He took the ram, made the sacrifice, and God struck a covenant with him. I now found something. I found a man on earth who will give me his son because one man on earth will give me his son. Through that man, I can give my son back to him, and not only to him, but through him to the entire earth. And I'll save the whole world through one man because he and I have a relationship. We have a covenant. That's what you're talking about, the Abrahamic covenant. I'm going to bless Abraham because he trusts me. I'm going to, I'm going to hold Romans 11. I'm just going to do something. I've got to do this. Just two, two little verses in Galatians. Galatians chapter uh, 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 7. The real children of Abraham are those who put their faith in God. I told you this morning, children born from Abraham were not necessarily Jews. Some children from Abraham were Gentiles. The Jew, the original Jew, Abraham, was a Jew because he had faith in God, not because he was born to somebody. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a DNA thing. It was a heart issue. It was a supernatural race of people. He said this, The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the Scriptures look forward to this time. God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith in God. What made us righteous? Same thing that made Abram righteous when he was a Gentile, our faith in God. That's why God gave the law, I'll say it again, God gave the law to show humans you can't live it. You can't be nice. You can't have a good marriage. You can't keep going broke. You can't keep going stupid. You can't keep from cussing. You can't because you have flesh. Flesh is messed up, but I'm going to do something. I'm going to send my son, and you can be born again, a brand new spirit with new desires. You will now have desires and power to live right if you choose to receive that power. If you choose to receive that desire, you can overcome your own flesh. That's a counseling session right there. It says, God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations, everybody say all nations, will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing that Abraham received because of his faith. So what God did for that Jewish man, he does for Gentiles. Now because of his faith, our faith. And again, that's why Jesus got mad and, and the gospel said, You're not a Jew. Just because you go down the temple and throw your wheat in the air and throw the meat on the grill and get circumcised, that don't make you Jew. That's flesh. Real Jews are Jews in the heart. They have faith in God. Without faith, we don't please God. Without faith, we don't whip the devil. We are a faith people. It's not something goofy. It's real. It's what you've got to have in the last days. we got more opportunities, but it will take faith. It's not something hard. It's just believing that God said the truth, and you say the same thing. Now, back over Romans 11, let me show you what this says right here. Romans 11, 11. Did God's talking about the Jews, how they rejected Jesus? 
And man, they seemed to have lost everything, scattered to the ends of the earth. Did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Paul said, of course not. They were disobedient, so God made salvation available to the Gentiles because the promise was to Abraham and his people, not to the Gentiles. But when he rejected, God is now open to take it to the Gentiles. Do you understand how blessed we are? Don't ever cuss a Jew. You ought to pray for Israel every day. Jesus was Jewish, by the way. Paul was Jewish. It was Jewish. What was Jewish mean? They were born some DNA? No. Their faith in God. I have faith in God. I'm no different than they are. That's what he says. But he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. What happened when the Gentiles received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament? Made the Jews jealous. Hey, they don't deserve this. They're a bunch of stinking Gentiles. You know, saying you're not Jewish because of sacrifices that you keep going to the temple. It's your faith in God, and God's presented it to them. So now they can have faith in God. And he have a family full of Jews and Gentiles called the Church of God. We're all part of the same family now. Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much, think how much greater a blessing it would be when they share and finally accept it themselves. I'm saying this especially for you Gentiles. God has appointed me as the apostle to, to the Gentiles. And I stress this, for I want somehow to make the people of Israel jealous of what you Gentiles have so I might save some of them. For since the rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance will be even more wonderful. It will be life for those who are dead. And since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, their descendants will also be holy, just as the entire branch of uh, a batch of dough is holy because the portion given as an offering was holy. For if the roots of the trees are holy, the branches will be holy too. Some of these branches from Abraham's trees, some of the people of Israel, have been broken off. You Gentiles who are branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So no, you will receive. You will receive now the blessing that God has promised to Abraham and his children. All the things you read about. I'm telling you, Chris, well, you know, you can't read that Deuteronomy stuff. That was for the Jews. A Jew somebody who has faith in God. I'm trying to set you free tonight. This book's loaded, but if you read the devil out, that's not you. That's for them. That's for me. I have faith in God just like Abraham. It's for me. All those promises are mine. For me, that my seed will be mighty upon this planet. Wealth and riches will be in their house. Their righteousness will endure forever. That I'll be surrounded with the shield of divine favor. That holy angels can't bow around about me everywhere I go. It's mine too because I too have faith in God. He goes on and he says this right here. He says, Abraham and his children sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You are a branch, not the root. Well, you may say those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, the branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. You're there because you do believe. So don't think so highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. For if God did not spare the original branches, he won't spare you either. You know how important it is you go to church? That you fellowship with other Christians? That you watch what you feed on, what you listen to, what you say, and what you talk about? You know how important that is? You know why we'll give an account of every idle we, every idle thought, every idle deed, every idle word? Because that's what gives God permission to work in our life. My thanksgiving invites heaven. My gripe invites demons. I think, where's God at? I gave permission for God just to sit down and for the devil to show up in my life, even though I may be a child of God. No different than your children are sometimes good and sometimes they're rebellious. That's when we need to grow in his grace and in his knowledge. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe toward those who are disobedient but kind if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you will also be cut off. And if the people of Israel turn 
from their unbelief, they will be grafted in again, for God has the power to graft them back into the tree. You by nature were a branch cut from a wild olive tree. So if God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you in, watch, grafting you into his cultivated tree, then he'll be far more eager to graft back in the original branches back into the tree where they belong. The reason I read that to you, now I know that's a lot of reading, but listen, Jews who do not get saved will go to hell. The only way you go to heaven is Jesus. The only way you go, it is Jesus who saves us, loves us, died for us, was raised from the dead, and prays for us every day at the right of the Father. It's Jesus who sent back the Holy Spirit to empower us, to guide us, to order our steps, direct our paths. It's all Jesus. It's our trust in Him. Abraham did it in advance. We get to do it looking back. That's why it's so important. Now, I'll read this to you in Ephesians 2, and then I'm going to give you just a little think about here before we go. So this, Ephesians chapter 2. I like this. I'm going to just jump in about halfway. The entire chapter is good. I'm going to jump into verse 12. It's talking about us. In, in those days, talking about before we got saved, in those days we were living apart from Christ. We were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel. We did not know the covenant promises. What are the covenant promises? New Testament, last will and testament promises. This is the promise Jesus left me. When he went to, this is now mine. Old Testament, written to the Jewish people. New Testament, written to the church. Old Testament, you don't find the church. It was a mystery. When it was revealed when Jesus raised from the dead, new revelation came through Paul, through the apostles. And the holy men of God recorded that. It's ours. But if you don't go study it, we were never told to read the Bible. We were told to study the Bible. Study it so you know what belongs to you. So if you see something besides that, you can take authority over it. You can rebuke it. You can bind it. You can lay claim to what's yours and ask God for it and thank him for it. And he'll show up. God says, I'll give you what you ask for. I won't give you what you don't ask for. I know what you need before you ask. I need you to ask. He goes and he says this. You were excluded. He said, here's, here's where the world is today. God made those. God made them, those covenant promises uh, for us. You lived in the world without God and without hope. If you're working at your, at your workplace, that's what I was telling my kids, where you work at, and I, I was telling them just the other day, she's an accountant. I said, listen, those people down there at your work that don't know God, they have gifts, they have callings, but if they're not saved, they don't know God. They have no hope. They have no hope. That's why they get drunk. That's why they get mad. That's why their flesh gets out of case. That's why they get high on dope. They don't know what to do. They have no hope. They're afraid. Fear covers the earth in the last days because like the days of Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah, there's violence on the face of the earth. You know, we're having the churches I go to now, we're having to lock doors and put up cameras and hire security. Well, this is bad. No, it's just the world, man. It's exciting because that means we're really got opportunities now. You know, you come to our church, the doors at my church, there's my church until it's locked 10 minutes after the service. Not the outside doors, the every door. If you don't make it to church for 10 minutes after the service, you can't even get in. You can worship in the parking lot. Yeah, and we all kind of, oh, that's kind of weird. Well, after you arrest so many people, it's not so weird. We like it. You know, we got we got armed guards at church services. Like, we got what? We got guys with pistols under their coats. It's like, why? Well, because sometimes people go stupid. So we're going to be wise. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God. And then we're going to do the natural thing. We got cameras looking at you while you're sitting there. So when you're sitting there and praise and worship, somebody's looking. So worship. Be picking your nose and messing around. <laughs> Trust me, I'm trying to help you out a little bit. Anyway. <laughs> I'm going to run here just a minute. He says, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Christ himself has brought peace to us, united Jews and Gentiles into one people, when in his own body, in his own body on the cross, he broke down 
He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulation. And nobody likes that. Ending what? The law. You don't need the law to lead you to Christ. Christ is here now. The law is to point you. You can't live this life, but Jesus in you, you can live it. Christ in you, you can live this. You can live this life. You can live successful. You can overcome sin. You can do that. If you mess up, you can repent quick, and God will still forgive you again. It's not a one-shot, lost, everything deal. It's incredible. For Christ himself has brought peace to us, united us, and here's what it goes on to say. He did this. He did this. Bending the system of the law with its commandments and regulations, he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two people groups, Jews, Gentiles, church of God. Who did that? Jesus. You're saved. You're in the church. I don't care where you live, where you were born. You're in the church. He brought this good news of peace to you, Gentiles, when you were far away from him. And peace to the Jews who were, ne- who were also near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done. And then he says this, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone of Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together with him, becoming holy, the holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of the dwelling place where God lives by his spirit. Or Christ is the hope of glory, they say. Now, why not read that? Get the tape. You go back and feed on it. That's why it's good to read. You get a daily walk Bible. I'm in the body of Christ. God chose me not because I was smart and holy. God chose me because I was lost as a dog. He loved me. God loved me before I loved him. Sent people across my path to pray for me and witness to me. It's intense now in the last days. Don't give up on your family, your kids, your grandkids. You don't give up on your in-laws, your son-in-laws, your father-in-law. Don't give up on anybody. Jesus is coming. I don't have time to, but nobody preaches on hell anymore. There is a real hell that does exist. It was not created for man, but man will go there if he doesn't receive Jesus. Because Jesus paid the price for nobody to go there. But somebody will choose to go because they won't choose to receive Jesus and go to heaven. I don't want any of my family to go to hell. I don't want anybody. I told them that on, on Christmas morning. On Christmas morning, I gave all my kids something. We sat around the tree, and I gave them a gift, really strange gift. They all got the same present. I got them a file box, like you get at Office Depot or Walmart, big plastic file box with file folders in it. They said, what is this? I said, well, this is a file box. And they opened it up. We all got the same thing. Well, your name's on it. It's all different. You all got your own autograph name on it. I said, if something happens to Mom and me, if Jesus tears, Mom and I die, you're going to be in charge. In charge of what? Everything. And so I figured if you're going to be in charge of everything, let's go over it right now. So before we opened up a single gift or did anything, we opened our file boxes. Now, this is going to take about an hour, so everybody be patient. You know, it's Christmas morning. You know what that's like, even with adult kids. Let's open something. No, we're going to open this talking about for about an hour. Shut up. <laughs> open up your file box and look at the file. Of course, the first file in the file box is your bank. We bank at our vest. So that's first of our vest. What is that? It's our vest. What do we do with that? That's where your bank statements go, which is what you're going to be looking for to do your taxes. But you don't know where they are because you're probably scattered to the four winds. So this is where your bank statements will go. They go in here. And, of course, the guy that just proposed to, to, to my second daughter, I did what I did with my first son-in-law. Uh, well, you want to marry my daughter before I can say yes, several things will have to happen. Number one, I need your last, your last 12 months of bank statements. You've got to bring them to you. And I'm not making this up. Now, he knew this was going to happen, so he already had them ready. I want to see your last 12 bank statements because... You're going to be responsible for my daughter. Now, I've been responsible for her. I fed her, clothed her, educated her, got her little crooked teeth straight with braces, got her through college, paid for all that, and got her first car. I look like Santa Claus stuck upside down in the chimney. Now, you're going to be Santa Claus, and I want to make sure that you can be because outside of breathing, your whole purpose for living is to make money. 
And they'll just look at you. So I want to see how you handle your money because where your money is, your heart is. Where your heart is, your money. I can read your heart by reading by reading your checkbook. You give me your checkbook, you don't have to say one word to me. I can see by where you spend your money, where your heart is because that's where your money goes. Your heart and your treasure are tied together, the New Testament says. So I want to make sure you handle your money good. Number two, I want to make sure you're a tither because if you're not a tither, you can't marry my daughter. Because if you're not a tither, my daughter looks like she's been drugged down the interstate behind a bumper of a car 20 years from now, wore out trying to support your sorry self because you live under a financial curse. Because God can't lie. So I need you to be a tither. I want to see where you wrote 10% of your income, the checks. I want to see those where they went to the church. Because there's not 10%, you can't marry my daughter. And he was a tither. Praise God. Because he knew it was coming. That's why he's waited a year and a half. I think she's worth the wait, personally. And uh, I said, then we're going to go into to insurance because, you know, wise people have insurance, and you've got health insurance and life insurance and, you know, car insurance. You know, there's all kinds of insurance. What's on my insurance? The man loves me. He drives a good car himself because I keep him, him well-stocked because i got six kids driving. i got employees driving. Our insurance man loves us. We've got life insurance and health insurance and disability insurance. We've got all kinds of insurance. I said, you're going to have to get insurance now because that's reached a certain age. I don't pay for it anymore. Kumbaya. <laughs> now, I'll keep the life insurance policy because, you know, it's in my name. I'm the person that gets it if you leave early. Stick around. Yeah, that went over good. I could feel that right there. Do you know, I took out a life insurance policy on my on my parents one time because they, they, they were missing up in money. And I knew, it's like, you know, if you die, i got to pay for this. So I was coming, can I take that insurance on that? And they don't know it? Yep. Sign them up. <laughs> Just a thought for you. I said, now here's all your utility bills. That's why you need to do that, that yearly averaging instead of waiting until you get in the wintertime and have to pay a $400 electric bill because you don't average out. So this is that. And I went through every area of their life that Sunday morning. I mean, Christmas morning, we went through every area all the way to the back. Went through Social Security. This is why you, you want to know about Social Security because they have to send you a thing, how much you pay. This is for credit cards because, you know, if you don't pay them off, most and I showed them three out of four of the credit cards that two of my kids have, I said, if you, you don't owe that money every 30 days, you owe it every 25. They don't tell you that unless you read the fine print. If you don't pay it in 25 days, it's an extra $29 fee plus an extra 19% interest for that month. Now, if you don't read that thing when it comes, you don't read the fine print, you don't know that. You don't know that you're going to be about $600 short at the end of the year because they keep taking it from them. That's why they're multi-billion dollar companies. So you wonder why you're a little short of Christmas time. You've been giving money away. You didn't know it. I said, I, want to, I don't want to get to heaven and God judge me that my children can't live right because I didn't train them financially how to live on this planet. You understand now? Now, all the, every year my kids go through the same thing. I make sure they all get the daily walk Bible. I don't care. If you didn't use yours last year, give somebody. Here's another new one. I'm trying to remind you. The two most important things like going to heaven, if you don't know Jesus, you're not going. So whatever you do means absolutely nothing. There'll be no record of it. Your memory will disappear. The memory of the unrighteous fades and disappears. The memory of the righteous lasts for thousands of years. I want you to build a good name. I want you to build a good reputation. So read your Bible every day. Here's your daily portion for today. We read it every Christmas morning when they come to my house or Thanksgiving, whenever they go. We read that daily walk Bible for the day. Here it is. Some get excited. Some want to sleep. Because everybody has flesh. But what I tell them is if you don't do it on a regular basis and if you wait till your flesh feels like it, you'll never do it. You have to do your budget once a week. How much did I spend this week? Where did it go? How much do I need? Because if you don't know, you're not believing God for anything. You're just grappling until you're broke. You got that? 
So we did that, and then all of a sudden, now after an hour of that, now you can open up your other gifts. And it was real sober. <laughs> because they realize how much money it takes to run a family. This is how much money I've spent in all these 27 areas this last year. Here's my box. Now you got your box. Next Christmas, we'll look at your box. Now my box. And now my box is mine. And my box will look better next year. Because you now have your box. And I'm going to be a good father and I'm going to bless you, but I'm not going to support you. <laughs> I feel so good. <laughs> and it's really made an impression on, I don't know how long it'll last. You know how this is, your flesh gets excited. I don't know how long it'll last. I gave them all their own budget book. I said, now you've got computers, but you won't do it. So here's just a really physical book. Just write it down in the book. This is your areas and how much you owe, how much you earn, how much you, you know, you're making, where it's going. Just write it down. Because if you don't, you won't believe God for it because you have no knowledge of it. What you don't have knowledge of, you won't believe for. You profit wonderfully, Proverbs 24, verse 4, by keeping abreast of the facts. You live wonderfully because you know, I got a great hope. You know Jesus is coming because the signs say it. Israel's home. Jerusalem's back. Wars are happening. Nations are getting ugly that were told they were going to get ugly 3,000 years ago. They're all coming together. Nations that were our allies, what's going on? I think Jesus is getting really quick. What do you think about that? I'm excited. I think it's good. And I want to make sure I live right every stinking day of my life. It is not a good time to go stupid. What you don't know, you won't believe for. So I thank God. I pray that prayer again. I pray it again to not be closed. Lord, I thank you. I have the desire and the power to do what pleases you. Because that's all that matters is pleasing you. I want to hear well done when I get to heaven. Well done. I wasn't perfect. I've made mistakes. I've sinned, and I've done some stupid things. But you know, I learned to repent when I did. And when I repented, God not only forgave me, he raised it out of the book of heaven. There's no memory of it in his mind. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Now, what's happening is we're getting ready to end Gentile time. When is it? I don't know. People ask, when do you think Jesus is coming? I don't know. Well, when do you really think? I don't know, really. Do you think he's coming this year? Personally, no. He could. There's no prophecy left. He could come tonight. But I think there's still some stuff to do, some people to reach. How long do you think it'll take? I don't know. We're picking up pace, man, you know, between technology and what we can do with, with a little card you can put in your head and in your wrist. Now, it's all sitting there, you know. Uh, we're going now with, I don't know if you know it, but television, we're getting ready to go where you've got to have the box. You don't have the box. And the reason that is because the government can control all that now. If you have a program on they don't like, they can just shut you off from Washington, D.C. Did you know that? They said, why are we changing? Because the government can control it. The government's the largest mortgage corporation in the world now. The government's almost the largest bank in the world now. What's happening? One world government sitting on top of us. But it's not us because we're the church and we're doing our regular thing now. But it's getting set up for the Antichrist to take it over. It's just he can't because we're still here. So does it bother me? Nope. Do you know they have a chip? doesn't bother me. I'm not getting one. Do you know they got the 666? It doesn't bother me. I won't be having it. I'm going to be eating dinner with some people. Petting my big white horse. What God's doing is raising up people to minister to people, to witness to people. He's, he's winning the world rapidly right now, right now. Now, I don't know what the actual numbers are. I've heard, I heard one the other day that 80,000 people a day are being saved, and they think they can verify that, and they think it's more. But there are many people being saved today. There really are. Now, what's happened with the Gentiles? Famines, earthquakes, war, pestilence, disease, and starvation. What happened? They need Jesus. You can go feed them, but if you don't get them Jesus, they're going to die and go to hell. They're poor. You go get them money and a good job digging wells having water. If you don't get them Jesus, they're going to die and go to hell. Won't be thirsty, they're going to go to hell. The single most important thing is the work of God, the gospel. That's what we are part of. It's what we do. So I'll leave with these two verses, these last two right here. I like this. 
uh, 1 Thessalonians. Now, this is a whole, this is a whole hour and a half seminar, what I'm going to give you here in about two minutes. But um, God is a God of order. And, and what you keep hearing, what you keep hearing is somehow God is going to judge people. Now, judgment is coming, okay? But to the Gentile world, the unbelievers, not to the believers. That's why we're trying to reach the unbelievers with the gospel. You understand that? God is not going to kill anybody off. God's trying to save mankind. That's why we're still here. When we leave, a time of wrath as never known in the history of mankind will begin to happen. That's on Revelation 6. A time of great wrath as never before. So whatever hell you have ever seen happen on TV or heard on the news, it will be many more times that that will land because the devil will be unleashed during the time of judgment on Israel. God deals with Israel those last seven years. Three and a half, not too bad. And then three and a half, you can't even... I mean, when you go read about the four horsemen of the apocalypse and what they do from starvation to blood to death to sickness, it's horrible. And there's no help. Men will want to die, but they will not be able to die. That's how bad it will be. That's not us. We're the family of God. Now, there is the judgment seat of Christ that you and I will have to deal with once we get up to the big supper thing. You know, we're going up. And we'll be rewarded according to what we have done, said, and thought on this planet. That's why we're being recorded, but we're in the family. The family's going home. The good family, the mediocre family, and the nasty family. They're going home. <laughs> Just a thought. Just like Christmas time when they all come over, good ones come and okay ones come and idiots come. Because we're family. Y'all come on down. Just a thought. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. Close with these three little verses here. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel. You ever wonder about the voice of the archangel? Why is that? Well, let me read this. I'm going to tell you what I believe this is. The voice of the archangel, the trump, the trumpet call of God, First, Christians who have died will rise from their graves, and together we will, together with them, we who are still alive will remain on the earth, and then and remain on the will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we shall be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. He said, "Encourage, encourage what? Well, when we're through, you're going to hear your name called, the trumpet sound. You know, Michael, when Moses died, Michael the archangel had to contend for the Moses of body with Satan." The devil wanted the body of Moses. You remember reading that in Genesis? And, and Michael showed up and he had, to, he had to say, the Lord rebuke you. You can't have it because the devil would love to have that body made an icon out of it. They'd have probably put it in plaster and glue and bronze and stood it up and people to worship Moses 